John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Well, I'm wondering, Curtis Rogers, do we have to make a change in what this weekend is supposed to be each year? Because uh, I know it's Labor Day weekend. This is such a uh, a big day to you know, honor the people who have been so great to us and get a chance to get that last little respite before the fall starts and all that stuff. But do we have to change the name from Labor Day weekend to Clowny uh, weekend? That's it, like or, or <laughs> Clowny Day because we got so much uh, Genevian Clowny stuff both last year and this year. Should we change it to Clowny Day? It reminds me, John, of Groundhog's Day where if Genevieve and Clowney's shadow is seen in your team's town, you get them for the next season. Kind of like with the Groundhog sees a shadow, there's six more weeks of winter. So uh, if Clowney's seen his shadow, John, maybe he's he's heading to a town near you. Uh, you would have to wonder because there's so much going on with Clowney, and he is the big story as we get into the five biggest stories of the day. Number one. Yesterday, Sean Payton gave Clowney a phone call, talked to him about all the great reasons why he should pick the Saints. And the reason why Peyton is selling Clowney so hard on this is because they don't have the money that Clowney is looking for compared to the Tennessee Titans who are closer to where Clowney is looking at. So Peyton selling him on everything, this championship winning atmosphere, Drew Brees, Cam Jordan, the system they're in there, and also the fact that they've got 11 nationally televised games. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how he responds because uh, at last count, he was asking for $15 million, and you see how that's gone over. I mean, he's not even made a visit, uh, so nobody's come close to the $15 million, but the Saints sent a coach over to Houston to try to recruit him. Uh, I know just uh, both Mike Vrabel and John Robinson in Tennessee now have said that we've made him an offer. You would have to think it's probably in that $9.5 million range with Vic Beasley because Beasley is just now getting back on the field. He signed a one-year $9.5 million deal. And then, of course, you got Seattle. And so here's going to be the big thing that you have to kind of wonder about. Is Seattle going to make the best offer? Now, the best offer may come from Jacksonville because Jacksonville traded away Unique and Dockway. But I can't envision Clowney going to a team, if he does, it's just for the money. It's going to pay him you know, maybe the $15 bucks. But, again, they're only going to win two or three games. So it's like, he, does he want to be on a team so he can at least, uh, as he's walking out the exit after the one-year deal, saying, okay, I was able to get you, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence. So I'm kind of wondering about that. But, you know, um, what I'm wondering, and Curtis, I'll ask you this, is that, uh, you know, if, you know, they, he, he, the Seahawks aren't going to pay 15. Okay. At one point they were, they were actually over, over to 16 million. But if they take it and give him a $12 million offer or an $11 million offer and that tops anything because the Saints only have $6.9 million in cap room I don't envision the Titans you know, paying him more than Beasley because they've had so many problems with Beasley and you know, he may go off the deep end if he gets you know, if Clowney gets more but I mean if you go 10, 11, 12 I mean would you be willing to do that if you're the Seahawks? I'd be more than willing I think to so, do yeah. that yeah that just makes too much sense, but then you wonder: Is Clowney really in this? Because he or is Clowney really in this for what he said he was at the end of the season, where he said, "I don't want to play for any sorry teams. I want to play for a contender." Well, you've got the Saints, you've got the Titans, you've got the Seahawks—all contending teams. I would, right. I would gladly put them in that category. Well, there's that Jaguars, you know, situation yesterday that was seen. 
if he signs with them, then you cannot say that Clowney was in it for, you know, to find a contending team. It's- no, exactly. I mean, that's the worst team in football right now, that in Washington. And so it's like, I can't envision him doing that. But, uh, you know, it sounds like, I mean, is he willing to do something? And is he willing to play? I mean, that's, I think, the big thing. It's like, you know, I think that uh, we were both right in speculating that he really didn't want to go to training camp, knowing he's making going to make less than uh, he is going to want and then or think he's worth. And again, he, I mean, you know, he is worth 17, 18 million bucks. But the problem is he came down to that too late. And so now he needs to do something here in the next two or three days if he wants to be on a roster for week run, have his base salary guaranteed and try to do that. We're going to talk to Jim Trotter from the NFL Network to see his thoughts on Clowney and this uh, clown show that's been able on this, I guess you could say, uh, Clowney weekend and Clowney Labor Day. Number two. Well, if you can imagine all of the games that would have been played, you know, hundreds of games would have been played. We don't have any of that film. You know, and that's what our scouts do this time of year is study that film. So they're having to go back and restudy in, in, in different formats than they have in the past so that they could evaluate what's what's the guys that hit the wire. It's a much different situation than normal in that regard. We don't have the updated information. We have to go up information that we went into the draft with, basically. So it's, it's, it's unusual. I, I, you know, how would if you want to try to predict what's going to happen, maybe there's not as much movement with players and all that because of that. Because you know, Teams are just unsure and they're, they're having to guess and stuff a little bit more than, than normal. Yeah, this is going to be the most unusual cutdown that anybody can ever envisit. And of course, it's going to be one o'clock tomorrow is the cutdown day. You have to be a 53-man roster. And then, of course, there's a lot of juggling and things like that. And so uh, this is going to be wild. I mean, you know, yesterday, the Seahawks were able to add you know, Josh Gordon and sign him. And he's, they're waiting to find out. And I would imagine sometime later today, because of the NFL's Friday news dump uh, ideas that they'll probably give the yes or no if he's going to be available for week one because everybody needs to know it, particularly now that he's signed. And then I know the Seahawks don't know. They're waiting to find out. And then you've got uh, uh, you know, Demontre Moore added as a defensive end, and he's got some pass rush ability. And then there's going to be a lot of juggling of the roster, and particularly we'll see about Jadevian Clowney. But this one's going to be very difficult. I think you're going to see a lot of unusual things. I think we've already seen that uh, there's one uh, Adrian Peterson was caught by surprise being cut today by the uh, Washington football team Ha Ha Clinton Dix who had been to the Pro Bowl was cut by the Dallas Cowboys and that could open up a spot for Earl Thomas but this is going to be a wild 24 hours as we get, try to go excuse me 26 hours 27 hours as we get to one o'clock tomorrow that's going to be the deadline Seahawks will see if there's going to be any surprises and what I'm kind of wondering is that special teams going to play big into this like for example you've got uh, you know david moore on the negative side i guess you know he's now making 2.133 million and uh, that's you know almost more than the three receivers that they have at the minimum salary but also he's the one to play special teams and the other three don't michael bumpus will be joining us at 11 we're going to go over the tough roster decisions number three you guys are anxious to get back out there certainly it's something that you can't control so it's not a no reason to fret about it and worry about it. Um, you know, a few guys welcomed a couple days off, off their legs, off playing games. So, uh, you know, we'll get back after it. I'm looking forward to the stretch run uh, with our team, certainly after the trading deadline um, and, and picking up a few guys. Um, curious to see how that plays out and get them out there and get them acclimated to what we do as quick as possible is what we're shooting for. 
That's Scott Service talking about the resumption of the season now after the three games were canceled with the A's because of one person in the A's organization having uh, positive tests on COVID. So they're going to take on the Texas Rangers tonight. The three games, of course, uh, was had to go because the A's couldn't even travel. There was one person that tested positive on that. So tonight the debut is going to be Ty France, who came over in the trade, center, uh, uh, catcher Louis Torrens. They both required in that trade with the Padres. You say Kikuchi is going to be on the mound against the Rangers. His last start was a win against San Diego on August 27th. The pregame is going to begin at 5. The game is going to start at 6.10. You'll hear it on 710 ESPN Seattle. Number 4. You know, he's a main reason why they're even in the conversation to win their division and go to the playoffs. He's that spectacular. Like, he's going to be in the breath of, of Patrick Mahomes for the next dozen years in the NFL. Now, dependent on how they support him, will be if he elevates to that level or not. But he's, he's spectacular. So Houston should get the deal done because don't wait till the end of the season to get the deal done because he is going to be in the MVP conversation this season. Yeah, no question. Uh, of course, now the question is, can they get something done before uh, the week starts or can it be Thursday? Because it's kind of ironic because you've got Watson going up against Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has that really $39.8 million deal. If Watson can sign for $39 million, which I think is right now the ballpark, uh, that would be, I think, good for everybody involved. But that's going to be one to kind of watch. There's going to be a whole bunch of deals that will be coming through. I know that Ryan Kelly, the center for Indianapolis, just got four years, $50 million. So stay tuned on the Watson front. Number five. Keep in mind that the New England Patriots didn't enter into an agreement with Cam Newton until late June. So he's been on that roster for just over two months now. And he's impressed them enough to not only win the starting job, but to be named a team captain. And I think nobody has gotten to see Cam Newton in a preseason game this summer. Nobody's really gotten to watch him extensively in practice. And I think they're going to unleash Cam Newton MVP style of 2015 when they open the season against the Miami Dolphins. I think he's been very impressive. You've heard Bill Belichick talk about the fact that nobody works harder. He's picked up the offense. I think they're very pleased with the quarterback that they signed, and it's evident in the fact that he was elected team captain last night. Yeah, and of course, it's kind of unusual Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick saying, we're not going to announce our starters until next week. Uh, We're not saying who's going to be the starting quarterback, but what happened Tuesday night is that they, they informed both Cam and Jared Stidham that Cam Newton was going to start and the word leaked out and so now everybody knows it but again Bill Belichick not confirming it but Cam Newton gets a chance to start and see how far he can carry a team that's lost so much this year 44.7% of their snaps which is just amazing is what they have remaining they've lost 55.3% of their snaps hey listen to the show via the 710 sports app it's powered by the Dubin Law Group coming up next we're going to talk under further review and find out which Seahawks benefited from training camp most It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. Under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Well, training camp over, and of course, yesterday was the last practice, and now everything goes to the regular season mode. Of course, before that's going to be the cut down to 53, which will be eventful. But uh, you kind of wonder as you look back, and again, it was a very different training camp, one that Pete Carroll and the coaches around the National Football League have not experienced because now no offseason program. Everything was uh, virtual as far as the offseason, as far as just being able to link up and get the – 
the at least the information to the players and the ideas to the players, but not getting them on the field. And of course, no preseason games. And so now you have so many teams that are going to be going into these cutdowns, uh, not knowing what the other team's going to look at or, or in a game situation where everything is. But you know, we can see that it was a good training camp that Pete Carroll liked, and several players stepped up and did well. I know Michael Bumpus was on with Danny and Galan talking about who the benefits the Seahawks benefited the most from what they saw in training camp. Which Seahawk benefited the most from this past training camp? Um, you know, you got to lean towards the rookies, right? Because those are the guys who never been to a training camp and don't know what to expect. And this is a guy who wasn't really on my radar and he started making plays was Alton Robinson. As soon as Daryl Taylor went down, you started hearing about this guy a bit more. And he's a prime example of coming in in shape. He was 15 pounds heavier than he, he was before, but it was good weight. Um, adding some tools to your toolbox. He was a, a speed guy. Now he's got some strength in him. And then taking advantage of an opportunity. When the number two pick goes down, you have an opportunity to step in and make an impression. So now he's ahead of Daryl Taylor. Um, so Alden Robinson coming in and helping this defensive line, right? That's an area where everybody says the Hawks need help. They're focused on Benson Mayoa, who had a good camp. They're focused on Jay Reed. They're focused on Daryl Taylor. But then here comes this rookie who's been working out with Cliff Ever, who's been a, a silent, just hard worker, getting his reps and making an impression. And he's going to be in the rotation next week when it's time to play. So I think Alden Robinson benefited the most out of this training camp. Yeah, good call by uh, Michael Bumpus because uh, he has been, I think, probably the biggest surprise. But it's interesting because I know talking to teams around the National Football League, they're not surprised because they think that you know he was going to be able to do as well as he did. You know, he's well advanced. I know he's real tight with Trey Flowers. Their backgrounds together, and so he fit in naturally. And he is going to be in the rotation. And of course, the thought was before camp that it was going to be you know Daryl Taylor competing for a starting job but it looks like you know he's going to spend at least six weeks you know waiting to get his leg right uh, and you know go on the PUP NFI list and so that takes him out of the count so Alden Robinson without doubt looks like he can help this team and get some playing time the other one of course as I think was Mr. Camp I mean the top guy in camp that was certainly Marquise Blair because really they had a lot of questions how he would fit in as a uh, slot cornerback, but he fit in great. He gives you more size. He gives you more. He gives you good speed. He gives you a physical presence, particularly if you're going up against you know two tight ends or you're going up against you know bigger receivers. I mean, he was certainly one that helped. Damian Lewis, you know, with the guard at right guard, because I mean, you know, since the very beginning, uh, you know, he's put himself in a position to start, and they think he can do a really good job. I thought uh, you know guys like uh, Jaron Reed is, and also uh, Rasheen Green they've had real good camps so that really benefited and that's helping a defensive line that I think most people have so many questions about and uh, you know Jaron has thinned down basically I mean I don't know if he's thinner than he was in 218 when he had the 10 and a half sacks but he's in that type of shape if not better so I think he's benefited from it uh, you look at the uh, the running back position Carlos Hyde you know is out there and looking good but boy I tell you what uh, DJ Dallas has looked fantastic. He really has. I mean, he's a guy that uh, you know has good speed, catching ability. He was considered to be the best blocking running back in that. And, that, and naturally, the biggest name is uh, Jamal Adams. In fact, I know the Seahawks front office 
didn't realize he was this good. I mean, because again, the thought on the scouting idea is that he's kind of the combination of Brian Dawkins and Troy Palomala. And you think about from Dawkins' physical presence to Palomala's mobility, he can do so much. Plus, he energizes the defense with the plays that he makes. And so thought it was a good camp. And I guess the positive thing that I'm mentioning is that most of the guys we're talking about, Curtis, Curtis Rogers, is on defense. Yeah, and I think what's great is that all those guys who had great camps come at key positions, especially in the defensive line, Alton Robinson. Somebody needed to step up with Daryl Taylor being out, you know, being on the PUP list. And Robinson, I think, has done that, just as Michael Bump has said, just as you have said. I think that's somebody that I, I think is going to play beyond, play above their draft position. What was he, a fifth-round pick this mm-hmm. last year? I mean, that's a guy who had double-digit sacks his uh, second-to-last year of college. Last year, he, his sack number dropped down a little bit. Um, but he's somebody that I look at and, you know, he could be in line for a surprise rookie season. Um, John, when you look at what you saw in camp this offseason, is there anybody you think that may have hurt their chances? I know Pete Carroll yesterday was not, you know, speaking highly, I guess, in Pete Carroll words of Paul Richardson. He said he's had a, a tough go of it to start here. Obviously, he's missed a ton of camp. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else that you think may have kind of played themselves either off the roster or onto the bubble? Well, I think what you're looking at with Paul Richardson is two things. Now, it's great that they were able to get him back, and it's not like he's going to go elsewhere, but what happens is you start to look at this, and they were able to get Josh Gordon back, and of course, he hasn't been on the field yet, because uh, he just got the deal done yesterday, but in the case of Paul, you know, <clears throat> getting here, and again, what can, probably is going to happen, because one thing you know is that with Josh Gordon, uh, Philip Dorsett, and also, uh, you know, Richardson, they're not special teams players, and so, you know, let's say, for example, you're in that spot where you want to try to keep Shaquem Griffin, who's a great special teams player, and you have uh, Richardson, I mean, the idea could be, and remember, they gave him a signing bonus. 62-5, you know, they can put him on the practice squad, and then if they need him, they can get him up there. So I think he wants to be back, but uh, that could be one of the possibilities. So I, I like that thought, but overall, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of that kind of juggling as they go through and try to figure things out, you know, but I don't know if anybody's really played themselves out. I mean, you know, we knew, I think Alex Gordon hasn't lived up to what they was hoping he was going to be, and so, you know, what you wonder about is that, and they weren't, they're only going to keep two quarterbacks. And so that, that wasn't affected by anything. But, you know, do they bring him back to the practice squad? Do Alex Magoo, who looked so good a couple years ago, do they bring him in? Do they give it to Danny Entling? Or do they just simply go with Alex Gordon, who got like a $12,000 signing bonus? Yeah, they've got a lot of options for that practice squad quarterback, more than we've seen in quite some time. And obviously, there's you know some things that other teams have done. Not They haven't been outright explicit about it, but... You gotta have. I think you gotta have an extra quarterback or two around this year, just because of COVID. You know, there's that. Uh, there's that possibility that maybe Russ tests positive. I'm not saying he, he will or anything. Maybe Geno Smith tests positive. You gotta have a contingency plan at quarterback. That's something that uh, is going to be vitally important for this season. Oh, no doubt. So you've got to try to cover all bases, and that's why it's going to be so fascinating tomorrow to see how these cuts are going to go down, and then the movement that's going to be made. You know, like for example, it's like okay. 
where does Clowney go if he goes? And if he comes here, you know, that affects, you know, the tight end position, David Moore, all those different things. And see if that means somebody else gets released. That has to again, you know, he can fit under the cap, particularly if it's going to be 11, 12, maybe $10 million on a one-year deal. So, hey, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or the app. Coming up next, Jim Trotter from the NFL Network. We'll talk Clowney and more. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And joining us is Jim Trotter from the NFL Network, and you can follow him at Jim Trotter under underscore NFL. That's on big line underneath NFL. But I'll tell you what, from working with Jim at the uh, News Tribune many years ago, you know, working with him in the Pro Football Writers Association where he was the president, I as a former president. But I'm happy about this one thing to say because Jim Trotter and Steve Weish have a new podcast. It's called Huddle and Flow, which brings listeners unfiltered, enlightening, and entertaining conversations about important NFL issues. Uh, how's this been going, and uh, is this just starting this week? Hey, John. Um, it starts on Tuesday, and uh, well, the first guest is Ron Rivera talking about the many issues in Washington. But before we even get into all of that, I, I just want to say publicly thank you to you, and the Contributor Selection Committee for um, having Bill Nunn Jr., the late Bill Nunn Jr., as the uh, contributor finalist. His wife actually passed away later that day after the selection, and so for her to at least hear, to have heard that he was selected a finalist, um, that meant a lot to his family. So I thank you and the other other selectors. Yeah, and what I mean again, one of the things I said in the room, and of course you weren't in the cycle this year because you're one of the nine contributor uh, voters, like I am. And uh, you know, the great part about Bill is that one, he was a former newspaper person who uh, his father started the Pittsburgh uh, Courier, and uh, he worked there and wrote a lot of great stuff, and you know, started to do the HBCU schools as far as putting up an all-star team that really got more NFL people studying the small colleges and the black colleges and being able to get so much great talent. But what's personal for me is that in 1972, a, uh, young high school guy at Churchill High School who was writing for the St. Mary's Daily Press checked into training camp and of course Bill Nunn was the person who uh, checked me in and he educated me for so many years about football. I mean I was so blessed to be able to you know be part of uh, again the fact that Bill Nunn is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame the first scout to ever make it. Uh, He's um, he's more than deserving so hopefully on Super Bowl Saturday we can uh take that final step and give him his just due and 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 have his bust in canton ohio i think it would be a tremendous honor and and long overdue yeah so, no, thank you again okay thank you and of course hey jim so now uh jadevian clowney's in the news i mean after we, we're in fact i'm thinking right now uh i don't want to do this against what was a labor day weekend is maybe changing the name of the labor day weekend to the clowny weekend because last year he was able to get his deal done on the labor day weekend uh coming over into trade august 31st now it looks like uh, interest is going to be there from New Orleans, Tennessee, Jacksonville, and Seattle to see if something can be done with him and if he's going to lower his demand below $1.5 million. Well, the thing is, John, as you know, anytime you have multiple teams interested, you hope to spark a bidding war. And I think Javian has been hoping for that for some time. But now that we're down to the wire, really, before the start of the season with the season rough 
um, less than a week away, the Thursday night opener. Um, I think he's hoping the deadline will spur action. And, you know, those are some teams there that are interested in him that, that obviously have playoff aspirations and going further than they did a year ago. And so um, he is definitely a wild card. We know you win in this league with quarterback play and you win in this league with being able to get to the quarterback. And he's one of those guys, even though he doesn't have high sack numbers, um, he's an impactful player when he's on the field. So uh, I think if New Orleans were to get him, which is we know New Orleans is going hard after him, man, that defensive line in New Orleans would be deep and talented and be able to offset you know, um, any struggles they might have if they were to struggle offensively. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. Yeah, and that's what I mean, because, you know, the one thing that's great about a weekend like this with bold decisions is that it also affects next year, because next year with the cap going down maybe $20 million, what you're looking at is the Saints are like the second worst team right now in the position they're going to have to break everything up, and they're trying to get something done with Alvin Kamara, who has this little hold in. And they're only at $6.9 million of cap room. So what I'm wondering is, can they clear up enough money to satisfy uh, Clowney? And what you also wonder about, is he going to take his demand below $15 million? You know, John, we just saw Kansas City coming off a Super Bowl win with no cap space, basically, re-sign or sign to an extension. Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Travis Kelsey. So when people use the cap as an excuse for not being able to get a deal done, I kind of laugh at that. The reality is if you want to get a deal done, you can get a deal done. And so I'm not one of those people that places a lot of stock in exactly how much cap space a team has. If you want a player, you can get a player. It just depends on how flexible you want to be and knowing that somewhere down the road you'll have to deal with it. But if you want that player, you can get him. Yeah, and of course, I mean, Seattle's wanted him all along, and he's liked it here and wanted to come back. But his big thing is that uh, you know he did want the twenty-two plus million dollar contract and didn't get it because he doesn't have the double-digit sack totals. And then he was always late in getting his numbers down to a point where anybody can sign him. And I still wonder. I, I knew, I sensed from the very beginning that uh, he wasn't going to go to a training camp at the less money. That was something either from the virus standpoint, the injury standpoint, he wasn't going to do. But now in these next three days, he's got to figure out what he wants to do, because if not, then he may not be playing football this year. No, he'll be playing, John. You and I both know that. And, um, you know, he's just waiting to see if these last few clubs, if any of them are going to up their offer at the deadline again before week one. And I have no doubt in my mind that Jadavian Clowney will be playing football this year. It's just a matter now of where. Yeah, and that's going to be the interesting thing on him, too, because, you know, he plays such a role on so many things. I mean, putting Clowney with the Titans, you know, that could push. I think I have the, uh, and you, you know him so well, Philip Rivers. I think Philip Rivers can get the Colts to 11 games. Uh, but I think if Clowney yeah. ends up at Tennessee, you know, they're a nine-win team pretty much, but they might get to 10 or 11 because I think he's that much of a difference maker. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting division. Um knowing that, that Houston has been the class of that division the last four or five years. But I really think Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis and DeForest Buckner going to Indianapolis, that's the two most prepared needs on that club. And I think Indianapolis is going to be right at the end um, in terms of, of teams contending for that AFC Super Bowl spot. I think they're going to be that good. That offensive line is that good. to put the game on his shoulders and win it himself. 
which is pressure he felt in San Diego, I'm sorry, in uh, Los Angeles, that affected them. So I think, um, you know, Houston thinks that it has upgraded itself. I think it's going to be a fascinating year in the AFC South, but that speaks to a lot of divisions as well, John. It's just there's so much parity in the NFL that that was Pete Rozelle's vision, you know, back in the day, and I think it's, it's played out that way. It's just it's going to be fun. What do you think of Seattle and what they've done this offseason? Have they done enough, and they're still looking to add, to catch up to the 49ers or pass the 49ers? You know, the thing that people seem to overlook, John, is that Seattle was literally, and, and I know we use this term a lot, but literally inches away from winning the division a year ago. So um, I, I find it fascinating that people almost, I don't want to say overlook the Seahawks, but not necessarily give them their due. All I know is that with Russell Wilson, a quarterback, Pete Carroll finds a way every year to be in contention, and I expect nothing different this year. I think their division is also one of those divisions that has improved. I think Arizona is one of those clubs that if anyone sleeps on that team, uh, it will beat them. The Cardinals are much improved. I expect uh, Kyler Murray to take um, that next step. I don't know if it will be as dramatic as what Lamar Jackson did from year one to year two, but I think it's going to be pretty significant, particularly with uh, DeAndre Hopkins now down there. And defensively, they've upgraded and addressed a lot of issues that they had last year. So um, I expect Seattle, regardless of what they appear on paper, I expect Seattle to be right there at the end, just as they were a year ago. Yeah, it's funny because one of the things, again, and of course they had went into Week 16, you know, down three running backs, Josh Gordon on a suspension, Al Woods on a suspension, and you know they didn't have Will Disley, and so you know, they just had a flat game against Arizona. But had they won the Arizona game and San Francisco the game, came down to one play at the end where it was a non-call on a pass interference on uh, with, with Jacob Hollister should have had the ball at the one yard line. Yeah, had they won both games, they would have been the number one seed, even though for talent last year, they were probably number five or number six among the playoff teams. What I think is going to be interesting this year, because I'm starting to formulate, you know, for the for my uh, for writing right now, who's going to be in the championship game in the NFC. Clearly, I think New Orleans is the best team. I could see Seattle being in, in the championship game. And if that's going to be the case, if Clowney goes to New Orleans, I mean, how much does that change the balance of what will be a, probably a New Orleans home game? No, I, I, I feel you on that, John, but I would say this to you. I can make a case for a handful of teams in the NFC. You know, I think the Bucks are going to be around two at the end. I think the Bucks will start slow with Brady and some of the additions, but I think by the end of the year they will find their rhythm and they will be one of those teams that, that will be contending. Um, you know, we talk about uh, um, the NFC North. I think Green Bay takes a step back this year, but who's to say now? that with Nick Foles in Chicago, that he doesn't give them something that Trubisky couldn't give them a year ago. Um, so I, I just think there are a number of clubs that what it's going to come down to at the end, as it always does in the NFL, or most times I should say, is how healthy are you at the end of the year. And I think that if everyone is healthy, it's going to be a lot of fun. Because as you know, those NFC West clubs all know each other well. They beat up on each other. There are no easy games. There are rarely other easy games there. And that NFC South, people aren't talking about Atlanta. But I think Atlanta has made enough additions this offseason to be right back in the mix again. Um, So for me, I just think it's going to be a fascinating year. And and believe it or not, John, I'm buying into the Cowboys hype as well. I am too. When I look at what they've done offensively, what they've done offensively 
and now defensively with Mike Nolan as coordinator, the way they've moved some pieces around. Um, I see the Cow- I even have the Cowboys, believe it or not, right now, being that team that ends up going and representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Interesting. Okay, Huddle and Flow is going to premiere with you and Steve Weiss, and it's going to be Tuesday, September 8th. New episodes every Tuesday. And, of course, I would imagine you can get everything on the uh, on every everywhere you can get a podcast? Yes, sir. Apple, Spotify, anywhere you can get it, it'll be there. So we're... We're excited about it. You know, it's um, we hope to bring sort of a different perspective. You've got, you know, two black men who both went to HBCUs. We both graduated from Howard. And um, we just want to be able to talk about things, hopefully, from a slightly different perspective at times on certain issues. And, and um, we want to deal with everything, sports, culture, society. Uh, you'll get a little bit of everything on different weeks. But week one, we're starting out with Ron Rivera, and he has some insights into why he took the Washington job, the relationship with Daniel Snyder, uh, also his thoughts on the quarterback situation. And, you know, week two, uh, I think we've got something that will excite people as well. So we hope folks will tune in. That'll be great. And you can follow Jim, who was on, on the NFL Network, at Jim Trotter slash uh, NFL. Follow him there, Jim Trotter. Always great to talk to you. John, my pleasure, and thank you again on the Bill Nunn selection. Okay, thank you. And, of course, coming up next, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes on 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go behind the lines and catch you up on what's going to be going on in the NFL with the cutdown day. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, it's game time right now as uh, we're getting down to the cutdowns, which is going to be at 1 o'clock tomorrow on Saturday. And, of course, uh, you know, we've already seen some moves happen. Yesterday, ha-ha Clinton Dix got cut by the Dallas Cowboys. You know, a guy that signed for a one-year $3.75 million deal. It didn't work out. He didn't do as good of a job, and that could open up the door for the Cowboys to go after Earl Thomas. Then you have the New Orleans Saints now being the most active in trying to talk to Debbie and DeClowney into coming to their team. And, of course, you got Tennessee. They've made him an offer. Seattle's still been waiting and waiting and waiting. Jacksonville's going to make him an offer, but I can't see him going there. So you have that move. Adrian Peterson was cut by the Washington Redskins, and he was caught cold by that. <clears throat> but what it came down to, they just wanted to go with younger backs. You know, Byron Love they're going to go with. You know, they got in, uh, Gibson, who they were drafting as a wide receiver, but they're not going to put him at running back. So they're going on the lower end there. And then, you know, as we also get into this, you're going to see trades. We've seen about, what, four or five trades this week. So, Curtis Rogers, this is going to be a very active 24-hour period. Yeah, and I think it's going to make for one of the crazier ones, too, because every team's entering in this kind of blindly. They don't know what, you know, there's no game film to look at. There's nothing of that sort. So you're going into this basically with what your eyes saw in camp and As we all know, John, game speed is entirely different than practice speed. There are some guys who practice terribly, but when they show up for game time, they're a completely different player. Uh, When you look at just how teams are going to be making their moves, are you going to are you expecting any maybe way out of the ordinary moves tomorrow? I think yeah, I think we're going to see. And the reason we're going to see it uh, is that again, you have to look at this year's cap and next year's cap because I mean, go and I, I just give you the move that was made this week by Minnesota. Two things that happened. They were able to, you know, 
drum up enough draft choices. You know, they had 15 in the draft this year. They had 10 on the boards for next year. And they were able to go ahead and make the moves to try to, you know, get uh, Yannick Ndokwe. And they were able to get him to take a pay cut down to $12 million. That's why I think, you know, in the Clowney case, it's like, you know, did you notice that? $12 million from 17.8? It's like that could be one that could get Seattle Clowney. But also they had to get room. And Riley Reef, you know, he was on a, what, about a $12 million deal uh, and he had an $11 million base, you know, they had to try to do something with him because I can guarantee this next year they were going to cut him because, you know, with the cap going down, um, you know, 20 plus million dollars, he was going to be on a cap casualty. And so, you know, he his agent called all these different teams and his agent's also a coaching agent. So a little bit of an insight there, but nobody wanted to pick up the $11 million base salary. So he did take the pay cut and, uh, you know, he was able to go, but he'll be, I'm sure he's going to, with we see the deal he'll be a void contract for next year and not with the team next year and so in those similar moves you know a lot of teams have to maneuver to try to say okay i've got to worry about this year last year and so like for example you know buffalo cut steven hauschka so these are the type of things that are going to catch everybody by surprise some of these moves on guys that have big salaries on multi-year contracts yeah, and we're starting to see you know other teams restructure players. Uh, 49ers and veteran offensive lineman Tom Compton agreed to a rework deal, lowering his base salary from 2.15 to 1.05. Uh, so maybe the 49ers ha- are looking to add a wide receiver because we know they're hurting at that spot. They got three on the injured reserve list. Yeah. I mean, two that they brought <laughs> in during training camp. It is real, real thin at wide receiver for the 49ers. Uh, By the way, what do you think if they pick up uh, Muhammad Sanu? That seems to be one of the buzzwords. I, I, I mean, at this point, they got to throw anything at the wall to see if it sticks. And we know Sanu was terrible with the Patriots last year. They sent that second-round pick and cut him less than a year later. But the 49ers really are in a position where they beggars can't be choosers at this point. And Sanu is a veteran. Uh, he knows Kyle Shanahan. They played to, or He played under him in Atlanta. So maybe there's some familiarity there. But uh, Sanu, I, I don't know. I can't really explain, John, his, his dramatic fall off last year what, what, what do you think went into that uh i i think I mean, he was playing hurt he was injured and you know uh, they thought that he could save the day for tom brady who was getting real frustrated with the lack of talent at wide receiver but he's a very good slot guy but he just didn't do as well with the slot and i think injuries played a big role in that by the way we just had our first trade of the day and that was cincinnati trading a former seahawk austin calitro to denver for defensive lineman christian covington yeah, minor trade there. So we're going to see more guys swapping sides. I wouldn't be surprised to see bigger names get dealt oh, yeah. over the next uh, 24 hours or so. John, also in the NFL, uh, contract negotiations going on. We talked to Sean Watson in the top five. Another big one to watch out for is a tight end. And tight ends, they've been getting paid this offseason. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Austin Hooper. Another guy in line for a new deal is Zach Ertz, Philadelphia tight end. But it looks like those negotiations may have hit a snag yesterday. What do you know about that? Yeah, and again, uh, you know, I mentioned the, the Saints and their cap issues for next year. Well, the Eagles are worse. They're about $91 million over the cap. And I know that the buzzword, you know, talking to teams that talk to the Eagles is what they say is that, yeah, we've got to get rid of a lot of the you know, older guys in this team. You know, and they've got like about six guys right now that have contracts that uh, basically void out 
uh, in 2022 or 2021, and they're going to have to clear out so much more. But they have some major, major issues right now as far as their cap. And that's why, you know, because, again, if you do something on the with the Ertz right now that doesn't fit their cap for next year, now you're over $100 million of the cap. And if you have all this dead money, you know, 50% of your cap in dead money, you don't go to the playoffs. That's been a, a staple now since 2013. Yeah, no one wants to be $100 million over the cap. And then, John, finally, uh, one name that was tied to a, a Seahawk the entire offseason, that'd be Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker. It looks like they're expected to cut him. Any surprise mm-hmm. there? No, not at all. I mean, that was the buzzword, you know, when he was arrested along with uh, Quentin Dunbar. But, you know, now what it comes down to is that uh, – because I know Dave Gettleman talked about that yesterday or on Tuesday or on Wednesday where he basically said it's like, hey, we just got to figure out the right time and when. Well, the right time and when is right now. He's still on the commissioner's exempt list, and he's also out there, uh, you know, not able to, to do anything. And you can see it's it's coming that he's going to be released. They happened to bring in to uh, they traded for a cornerback. You know, they were able to get Logan Ryan signed him. So I think it's inevitable that he's going to get cut. Yeah. So, yeah, so hey, coming up next, we're going to go and uh, talk to Michael Bumpus, get his thoughts on this final cut down, his observations from training camp, because he's done such a great job on Q13, you know, watching all the practices. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.